welcome to the podcast, Good Intent, Good Impact, where every week we explore different concepts that help to dismantle white supremacy in American society. This week, we're focusing on impact versus intent and really shifting our focus away from being intent-based, which is based in the golden rule, and shifting our thinking and our behavior to being impact-focused. So if you recall from the video, the problem with the golden rule, oftentimes when someone does something or says something that's hurtful, otherwise known as a microaggression or a microinvalidation, oftentimes we lean into our intent and saying something like, I wasn't trying to hurt you, I didn't mean to offend you, so on and so forth. And as the video talks about, we understand that comes from a good place of well-intention, right? Because we want to do unto others as we would want for us. Of course, if we're offended by something, we would want someone to apologize and share with us that that wasn't their intent. The challenge, however, is that different cultures have different experiences, different ways that they're raised up, so on and so forth. And so what works for you may not necessarily work for someone else. And many people who identify as being black or brown or coming from marginalized communities are really starting to push back on this notion of, well, if you didn't intend to cause harm, then it's okay. I can just move forward and it's fine. Many people are starting to shift their thinking to holding people accountable through impact-based thinking. Um, So I want to take a moment to talk about exactly what microaggressions and microinvalidations are so that folks have a a shared understanding of these terms. These terms were made popular by Daryl Wing Su, who uses them to describe the pain that's caused when people say or do things that are problematic that has to do with our social identities, such as race, gender identity, so on and so forth. So using my own life as an example, I identify as a black woman and oftentimes when I'm in my working spaces, I have hair that's more quote unquote European looking. Um, So it's more long and straight. And I do that as a code switching mechanism to fit in more and to make people more comfortable because it's just easier for me to maneuver in predominantly white spaces that way. Um, But if I do feel like I'm in a place where I can be a little bit brave um, and have more of my natural hair exposed, um, that's shorter and more tightly coiled, people tend to be, you know, very shocked by that. And I've had cases where some folks have come up and attempted to touch my hair um, because they want to know what it feels like and so on and so forth. So speaking from my own experience, that is very uncomfortable to say the least. And it feels like you're an animal at a petting zoo, which is something that no one really wants to experience in their working environment. And when I have challenged my white counterparts who have done this and said, you know what, hey, like, I don't want you touching my hair like that. That's kind of a problem. Um, And that's a microaggressive thing you just did. Their often, you know, response is, oh my goodness, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't trying to offend you. And so they lean again into that golden rule of being intention-based and expecting me to accept it as if that should alone be enough. Um, And so I have shifted to challenging people to think about their impact and how to repair harm. And this is a very standard, simple example. So in my case, an apology to repair harm might be enough, um, but for somebody else, it may not be. And they might want a different level of accountability um, for someone doing something like that. And that goes to how different people are raised and how different people are socialized and to think about their race and ethnicity and what's important or sacred to them. And so we want to, again, shift our thinking from going from 
intention-based to impact-based when these types of microaggressions happen and people taking responsibility for their actions and their words when they make a mistake. Microinvalidations is the other term I want to talk through. This is very similar to microaggressions, but it looks a little bit different. So if you're a black or brown person and you're explaining an experience that you've had that you felt was problematic and another person, especially a white person, says, oh, you're making too big of a deal out of this. This isn't something you need to worry about. That's essentially invalidating the narrative and the lived experience of that black or brown person and saying that it's something that they shouldn't have any real concern about because it's not important in the grand scheme of things, which when you come from a marginalized identity and you feel like your voice is often not heard, this is something that makes that even worse to be in those spaces and not truly be listened to when you're trying to express something that's a pain point for you. Um, and so again, it's one of those things we want to be careful about and be mindful that even though our intention and our hearts might be in the right place, we need to think about what the impact is for that other person. So how do we go about shifting from that intention mindset to that impact mindset, right? The first place for us to do that, especially if you identify as white and you're trying to do racial equity work, is really sitting in some humility for a while and asking yourself, you know, is there something here that I'm missing as to why this person would be so upset by this action? Do I need to ask certain questions, not of this person, because that's asking them to do emotional labor on type of, of the microaggression that they've just experienced? But do you need to do more research? Do you need to look something up online? Do you need to read more books as to get a better understanding as to why this person would have the type of visceral response that they had when it came to whatever words or actions that you may have done? that led them to respond in, in a negative way or that led them to just be upfront and honest with you and saying, you know, that was a microaggression or that was a microinvalidation, right? And we have to resist the urge to want to be right. Oftentimes when we are in these conversations and someone is saying, hey, that was problematic, we have a tendency to want to go straight into defense mode. And so instead of listening to understand, we are listening to respond. People feel as though they have to automatically defend themselves because they don't want the label of being quote unquote racist or something along those lines, which in my experience, most black or brown people are not ready to jump to calling you a racist. It doesn't mean that they won't challenge you in terms of your words or actions as being racist or being rooted in white supremacist ideology or thinking or behavior. Um, but that's generally speaking, in my experience, not the first place a person of color is looking to go. They're simply just trying to express to you that, hey, you made a mistake, this wasn't okay, and you really need to think again before you do that to somebody else who might respond in a very different way um, than that person was responding to you. And so instead of leaning into that space of, I gotta have a response because I have to defend myself, we want to challenge ourselves to listen to understand, right? And so my litmus test for this is if I am feeling defensive and I am formulating the response in my mind before the person has even finished speaking to me and saying what they needed to say, then I know I'm not truly engaged in active listening at that point. Um, and I'm listening to respond as opposed to listening to understand. And if you're a white identifying person, 
this is a good place to start in terms of making that shift of being intention-based to impact-based. And you can push yourself out of your comfort zone into your learning edges by repeating or paraphrasing what that person of color has shared with you that's problematic. So you might say something like, so what I heard you say is, and then go into what you heard them say, just to make sure that you truly understand where they were coming from and that you were truly engaged in active listening in that moment. If you find that you're in a situation where you have committed some sort of harm and some sort of restorative justice needs to take place, here are some common phrases that you can lean into that could help you engage in that. So you can say, I totally understand what you're saying. That wasn't my intent, but I take responsibility for my impact. Or you could say something like, what do I need to do to repair the harm that I've caused in this situation? What would feel right to you in order for us to move forward in a positive direction? If by chance you are on the receiving end of a microaggression or a microinvalidation, you might say to that person, you know, I understand that you may not have intended to cause any harm, but I want you to understand that this, regardless of that, was the impact that it had for me. And we need to have an honest discussion about where we go from here. Um, or if you're on the receiving end of that, you might say, you know, you were making an assumption that by going about it this way, I would be okay with it. And as a matter of fact, I'm not. Let me tell you what I need from you in this situation so you can course correct your language or course correct your behavior so that we're able to move forward in a more productive and positive way. If you want to do more work around racial equity and you're trying to have more resources that you can use at your organizations, there are other videos and podcasts that are available. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel so you'll get notifications when new content arises so that you can share this with the people in your organizations to move forward and actually doing the substantive work of racial equity um, with your colleagues in the places where you live and work. And remember, right, as we've talked about the difference between intent and impact, it's not just what your intention is. And we can't just rely on good intentions to get us through to the next place of where we create equitable working spaces for all. We really do have to lean into our impact. We have to take responsibility and acknowledge our actions and make a commitment to actually doing better and being better versions of ourselves so that we can truly create the inclusive spaces that we want for everyone.